Welcome to Babble. This is my third episode and my guest today is Lewis Crompton. Hi Lewis. Hello there Amanda. How are you? I am very well thank you. I've had a couple of cups of coffee this morning so I'm good to go. Buzzing. (laughs) Absolutely buzzing yeah yeah. Are you like me living on coffee during lockdown? It's just my it's it's just my go-to in the morning. Well, absolutely. I'm, I never used to be a coffee person beforehand at all. But also, I need to have some form of advice. I've just given up alcohol and sugar and dairy for the month. Because um, I'm definitely. That. Yeah, yeah. I'm piling, I'm piling on the uh, quarantine pounds. So I thought I need to try and fight the flab um, for a little bit and get myself fight back the to. Flab. Yeah. Get myself <laughs> back to break even, back to normal. So have you, have you gone vegan? Because I read on one of your posts that you'd gone vegan, but then at the bottom you said something along the lines of, this is someone else's post that I've cut and pasted or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I wasn't sure whether you had or whether you hadn't, so... No, no, I'm, I, can't, I can't do vegan. I'm doing meat-free Monday, uh, so I'm technically doing vegan Mondays, but that's it, yeah. Okay, so I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, you are a very interesting guy. <laughs> uh, you, you, you're up to so many interesting and wonderful things and I, I, I can't wait to talk to you about them all now um you're from east london well you live there now but you were mm-hmm. you were you were brought up in north london weren't you yes so you're so a london boy so where's I'm this london, london accent boy. why haven't you got this london boy accent i know well it's funny my my parents are both from outside of london so my dad's from lancashire so he's a lancashire lad and my mum's from norfolk and they talk like proper hillbilly farmers but <laughs> <laughs> my my mum trained as a drama teacher and lost her accent and went relatively posh. So they drummed into me how to speak correctly, um, mm-hmm. so to speak. So I don't sound like a, a London person at all. Um, you don't. Which, yeah, no, no. I just I, I feel like I've got no accent, or I'm on the the posher end of normal. Yeah, how you have I, got. I kinda, you've got a nice voice to listen to. I could could imagine listening to you on a night like reading me a book. <laughs> Guided meditation type stuff. Guided meditation, yeah. So tell tell me a bit about yourself then and your background. This is your chance to tell me all about you and the real Lewis Crompton. The real Lewis Crompton. I think the real Lewis Crompton is a a mystery that I'm discovering new (laughs) aspects of every day, as I'm sure everyone is about themselves. Um, But I've I've had a very, very varied life. Um, I'm 30 years old now. Um, I don't look it. I still get ID sometimes, which is... Kind of good, kind of not. Depends on what mood I'm in. Um, but yeah, <laughs> incredibly, incredibly varied life. So I grew up um, in North London, uh, always had a desire to try new things, experience as much of life as possible. I always wanted to be that person that was the first person to do this or the first person to do that. I remember an argument at Christmas with my sister when we got a Super Nintendo and I wanted to be the first person to play on it, but she claimed elder sibling rights. So I lost out to that one and I was absolutely devastated. So I've always, wasn't it great? Wasn't it great? Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've always kind of had that personality of wanting to try things and, and kind of being a bit more open to, the weirder sides of life in terms of spirituality um 
emotional, whatever, blah, 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 that type of stuff. So I actually grew up in quite a religious context. My parents weren't actually that religious, although they went to church. Um, But yeah, yeah. So then I kind of chose it myself. Um, And I remember uh, just through various, what I would describe as spiritual experiences, rather than religious, I call them spiritual now. And I just kind of kept going, kept going, kept going. And I ended up on this kind of trajectory towards um towards just basically towards becoming a vicar or some form of pastor and so I would speak in front of people I'd preach I'd pray for people to be healed on the streets I'd pray for uh, people to be saved whatever that means um and I did not know this about you yeah yes it's a a different time yeah yeah slightly you said that you chose this path now that's really interested me because I was brought up um, religious, but I was brought up religious. So that was mm-hmm. all I knew. And that was sort of, you know, that or I had to do almost. But mm-hmm. for, for how old were you when you decided this? May I just ask? I was probably, well, various times I chose it. Um, so I first time I chose, I'd probably say I was about 10, 10 years old. Yeah. Wow. In, in a field in Wales um, on a summer As you camp. do. As you do, yeah. As you do. A place called, called Crickieth um, in, in West Wales on the coast. Absolutely gorgeous place. Um, yeah, so I kind of chose it then for my, myself my, the first time. And I think that every time I chose to either remain religious or continue being religious or spiritual, um, it was always down to feeling like I had an unexplained experience that I couldn't really explain any other way other than through religion or through faith or through some form of spirituality so Mm -hmm. although my parents didn't really understand that or or experience that for themselves it was something I did so I felt like I had to honor that experience and choose that path and it just kind of snowballed and then my friendship groups became intertwined with that Mm -hmm. I started getting a lot of um what's the word I suppose affirmation or um prestige uh, in my in my context within my religious context and then that became international I started working with American churches and then other churches around the world as well so it's been American American churches they're quite um oh happy days yeah yeah I love that yeah there's so much emotion going on there was that so much emotion was that something that you got involved in as well I mean, everyone laughs about the TV evangelists that like do healings and things like that, but that was my world. That was yes. my life. And I, I would do that. And faith healing, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, I can't, I can't deny that I've seen crazy things that have happened that I still can't explain. But I think in kind of the, where I've come to now, because I don't really consider myself religious, although I do consider myself spiritual and have some form of faith, mm-hmm. it's, it's more of a case of there's... I think there's so much unexplained about how powerful the human mind is and how, how powerful and deep the human experience can be, both positively but also negatively. So I think there's just so much that we cannot fathom or, or truly understand. And I think that's kind of where, at this point, the faith element kicks in, yeah. um, uh, whether we understand it or we don't understand it. So I've definitely seen some, some crazy, crazy things. I mean, I used to be one of these people that would stand at the front of a room and kind of like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen or been to a, a spiritualist meeting where they talk to people that are dead and they interact with the crowd. And I they, haven't. They... I haven't. I've seen. I've seen clips on videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the 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 background I've been brought on. We were really 
advise strongly to stay away from that so yeah, yeah. it's been something that I've been really like you know well not for me but yeah. now that I've obviously left that religion it's something that I have looked at and and explored yeah. kind of thing but I've never actually been there no yeah so I've 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 never been to something like that because I was always advised to stay away from the talking to the dead people type thing as well in terms yes. of uh, the religious context I was in but what they would do instead is kind of like being psychics um and they would call it being um prophets so I end up being uh, one of these people that would I can't believe I'm telling you all this this stuff, but because it's such it's such this a is, weird different other babble, time in my so life. You're allowed to yeah. babble, just babble yeah. on about it. Just babbling on, just, <laughs> just babbling, babbling on. on. Uh, no one's going to listen. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, it's just such a different time in my life, and it's it's weird. Kind of when I when I have conversations with people about it, it's like going back in time because it just it so feels different to in some ways who I am now and what I maybe believe and how I would operate now so yeah I was basically like one of these people that was deemed to be able to hear the voice of God and know things about people before they knew it about themselves or know when things were going to happen before they happened and again I've had some crazy experiences where I have definitely known things about people without knowing them to Mm -hmm. incredible detail but I haven't done that in a long time so I don't know if it, I've still got the the gift, but um, yeah, Ooh, I'm maybe excited. I do. Maybe I'm, I do. Is there any vibes that you get from me? <laughs> See, that's something people always ask. That is something people <laughs> always ask. Um, I used to be very, very good at doing that, like giving people readings. And it's something which I would like to do again, but maybe in a different context, in a different way. Um, and it was always it was always loving, and that's I think that's one of the that's key nice. things I took away from. Yeah. yeah, it was always about it was always about love, um, and that's that's the way that I would interact with god or the universe whatever people want to define that that thing as higher power um and i remember being asked to speak at a church uh, preach at a church in hawaii and wow then, yeah i was amazing I absolutely love hawaii the hawaiian people are phenomenal as well and i was asked to um uh, basically prophesy so give spiritual readings over every single person in the church which took an age and was exhausting but I got <laughs> I got some good food after and uh, this one woman she was the last I remember it clearly because it was quite impactful for me um, and spoke to me and, and kind of informs my sense of faith and spirituality now quite a lot as well and she was the last woman to to come up to receive a reading um, or a prophecy or a psychic reading, whatever you want to call it. I'm just trying to cover all the bases in terms of language there. Sure. And she, she came, to, came to the front of the room where I was and she didn't say anything. And the pastor, the, the leader of the church, asked me to give her a reading. So I just stood there, put my hand on her shoulder and I just asked God, the universe, love to share with her what he wanted to share with her through me as the person who could supposedly hear the voice of God. So I just paused for a second and I just, I just got this real deep sense and knowing that she was married, but her husband had left her and she was now sleeping alone in their bedroom, but that nobody in the church knew and she was keeping it a secret. Oh. Yeah, I mean, how I would know that about someone who I've never no, met before in a completely different context. very specific, concept. yeah. Yeah, so I was like, I didn't know if I was right or not or if I was accurate or anything like that. I'm never 100% sure. So I just kind of... Said prayed it. for her and but mm-hmm. said it in a really tactful way sure. so like kind of like along the lines of um you may feel like you're alone a lot of the time or you, you're, you're sleeping alone or stuff like that so that she would get it but other people wouldn't and she came up to me afterwards like how did you know that my husband had left me oh. and I was like I didn't but clearly somebody up there loves you and wants you to know that 
they're present and you're taken care of and you're going to be okay. So that's kind of informed a lot of my understanding as to who God, the higher power universe is. For me, it's about divine love and divine connection and, and how we do that with everybody that we know and how we bring that into everything that we do as well. I, I like that because, you know, religion uh, for me, especially seems to divide people. There's uh-huh. a lot of divides there's a lot of arguments it seems to be at the root of most of the problems that are, <laughs> that are most widespread to be fair yeah. so I think if everybody took a leaf from your book and you know looked at it as you know just love everyone everyone's different mm. everyone's going to have their own views their own opinions but love is the, love is the core quality that just keeps everyone together that's a really nice gesture that is yeah you're a very interesting man. We haven't even started yet. Not even scratched the surface, yeah. Not even scratched the surface. So you're you're well known, aren't you, Louis? Um, for I mean, I know of you because of being in the property industry, and that's obviously why we've connected. Um, but you're also a forex trader, and that's something I really want to talk to you about today. Um, and we'll start with that if that's okay. I really don't know much about forex trading, so you're going to have to forgive me. You're going to have to talk to me like I'm a total beginner because I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do know that it is buying a currency at one price and selling it at a higher price, or selling it at one price and buying it at a lower price. I do get that, and you do that to make a profit. That's as far yeah. as I've got. Yeah. Um. So, why did you get into trading then? Firstly, let's start there. Um, even growing up as a kid, I had an interest in the stock market in general. I always found it absolutely fascinating, but had no idea as to how to get involved. Um, and I remember being about eight years old and saying to my dad, I wanted to invest in the stock market. And he was like, oh, well, you can't do that. You're only eight, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of left it. And then I got older, probably about 12, 13. And I said the same again. He was like, okay, well, maybe let's try and open an account. I'll, he'll open it in his name, but then I can make the decisions as to what we do. But then it turned out that you needed to have quite a lot of money in an account to open up a stocks account in order yes. to invest. And he wasn't willing just to, I mean, my parents are both teachers, so they didn't have loads of money to just throw away or to invest and didn't really understand that world either. So it, again, it just didn't happen. And then uh, it was always, always kind of stayed there on, on, the, on the back burner in the back of my mind. And I kind of went to university, I did a, a master's degree, and then when I was finished my master's degree, the only job I could get was working in retail on a shop floor um, in the area that I lived in. So I worked for Burton Menswear, uh, representing to all my Burton's people out there. And uh, <laughs> the, the, the realization that I would be doing the same thing for the rest of my life if I stayed there or always have to be reliant on a boss or always have to be reliant on somebody else. And I wouldn't be able to travel the world like I wanted to and have the income that I wanted by staying within that particular industry. Kind of just lit that fuel under me. Yeah. And then I was, went to see some friends of mine who live in Marmonsbury and they were talking about the fact that they were starting to invest in property. Mm-hmm. And they paid for some education and all of that sort of thing. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. So the particular brand which was advertising, uh, sorry, that they'd been done their training with, I saw an advert when I was back in London on the on the Metro paper. So I was like, oh, well, that's quite a nice coincidence. There it I'll is, pop, yeah. Yeah, so I'll pop along to that property training. So I went along to the pro- I registered online, went along to the property training and said, oh, hello, I'm here for the property training. And they said, oh, we can't seem to find your name on the list. I was like, really? And they said, yeah. I was Do, like, you okay. know Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And then they, they said to me, oh, actually, we found your name, but it's on a different list. It's, it's to do with 
you signed up for the event that's to do with trading. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm here now. I may as well go along to that one then. So I sat in the room and I was just absolutely blown away with what was possible. The fact that it's something I'd always been interested anyway. um, And just kind of got myself signed up for the training, got involved. And then the rest is history, really. But it was... it was stumbled across it. Um, I stumbled into Ish. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. into it because you'd got the background with it. Yeah, yeah. I think so, if that's I hadn't, usually the best way. It is the best way, and I think if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have had that conversation with those friends of mine, if I hadn't have seen that advert, if I'd not accidentally signed up for the wrong training life would be completely different and again this is where I kind of think my faith kicks in a bit I'm like everything kind of does happen for a reason and I I just feel like I am kind of guided in some capacity even though it's all my own decisions (laughs) so um yeah yeah that's kind of that's kind of how it happened and then the reason to really go for it was because of wanting to at the time mainly travel the world whilst having an income that I could do anywhere that's the best life isn't it traveling yeah. and you can still work and and that's why you know that's why I do property that's why you do property because we create this life for ourselves yeah. where we are able to travel to do whatever we want because we've got various income streams that are supporting yeah. that lifestyle it's it's and, genius really and that's that's what I and that's exactly what it did do for me I mean I spent the past three years up until this year spent the past three years um traveling the world with basically just my laptop making money from trading yep. um and it's getting a tan getting a tan I mean not anymore I've lost it but um, yeah I mean that's my my Instagram is just if when, whenever I'm feeling a bit down I look at my Instagram I know that sounds like a bit of a, a an, an arsey comment to say but I am very blessed with the life that I've been able to live because of the choices that I've made and it has been utterly phenomenal I mean last year I just decided to live in New York for a few months and so I moved to New York lived there for I a few know, months I know I remember that yeah yeah and it was it was insane and I, I I loved it and I hated it and I wouldn't do it again um although I I love New York as a city culturally it's very very different to 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 the UK and I'm Are you not co- sure did was... you travel alone are you like currently single or did you uh, so then I was traveling alone and then yeah. part of the reason I decided to stop traveling is because I wanted to settle down actually have a relationship and kind of uh yeah, have a bit more a normal life in the sense of I want to yeah. get married, I want to have kids, um, which I have to do slightly differently because my partner is called Josh. So um Shut yeah, up. Yeah. I didn't so, realise that. Yeah, yeah. So no matter how hard we try, neither of us are getting pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The way the world's going, I'm not so sure this about is that. True. Science is a wonderful thing. Um, and as I said, I believe in miracles, so <laughs> So a bit of a, a bit of an intrusive question here, but so when did you have you always been this way, or have you was it something that's just happened? Because I I wasn't aware of this. No, so I'm I'm thirty now, yeah. and I think so. I mean, growing up in church in the religious and spiritual context I was in, being gay was not allowed. Just full stop. And exactly the same as me. Yeah to be doing the things I was doing and helping the people the way that I was helping people. I mean, I trained at 18 as a counsellor within church and was working with very, very intense clients. Um, I focused a lot on trauma counselling, trauma coaching type stuff, people who've been massively impacted by trauma. I mean, horrible stuff. Um, And I had to, if I was going to come out as gay, I'd have to give up all of that, which is an absolute passion and joy of mine. So... Did you have to suppress those feelings then, then, are you saying... I think I think I did suppress them, um, genuinely suppress them. But I think I suppressed my sexuality 
entirely in general anyway. I mean, even masturbating wasn't allowed. So I remember at one point in my teens when you're developing and you're ridiculously hormonal and you're, you're wanking off to anything you flip and see, a tree, a bush, whatever it is, because that's natural as a teen, I went for over a year not even touching myself. And I think I so suppressed because of the expectation of the spiritual context that I was in everything about sexuality I didn't I didn't think about girls I didn't think about boys I didn't think about anything Mm -hmm. so it was so just locked down and it was only in my uh my early to mid-20s that that started to actually awaken so to speak Mm -hmm. so I I definitely don't consider myself to be 100% gay um I still find women uh very attractive um thanks yeah, thank, but thank sex, you. yeah, <laughs> thank you. yourself obviously included. Um, but on because I mean, attraction is more than just sexual. It's it's emotional. Absolutely. It's it's mm-hmm. it's intellectual. It's all of it. And I I definitely find women attractive on all of those levels. And I think part of the reason why I've just kind of uh, decided to have a long term relationship with a guy is not because I couldn't have a long term relationship with a girl. But there's this, there's this aspect in me where I like to do what's right by people. Yeah. And I don't think it would be right to date a woman long term when I know I'm more attracted to men in general, even though I am attracted to women. Because I feel like a woman should be absolutely adored, um, looked at and wanted to be had by her man. And I would definitely have that, just not as frequently as I feel like a, a woman would deserve. So mm-hmm. I would feel like I would always giving her a lesser experience of romance than I would want her to experience in her life. So that's why I've kind of stepped away from having relationships with women. Checking out a dad when he's when he's putting yeah, your roast dinner on the exactly, table. Yeah. Or you, you can roast my dinner. Or you, your yeah. dad's a bit of sauce, darling. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, don't exactly. do that. No, and then no, and up... hats off, hats off to you for that. That's like, and and even like to even talk to me about it because I don't think. Have you, I mean, have you ever spoke to anyone about this before, live on national television? <laughs> Not live on national television. No, no, you've never like probably. I've never. I didn't know that about you. And like, I think again, that adds to you know who you are as a person, and you becoming absolutely one hundred percent comfortable in who you are, knowing what you want, and chasing those dreams and achieving them. That's basically exactly it. So it was when I was twenty six that I came out, and when I came out, I had to leave the church, and I left. Uh, all the oh, passion so work sad. that I was doing yeah I lost I lost relationships with people that I'd been building over 10-15 years yeah who I considered family um so that was quite that was a very very difficult time and then I, the first relationship I ended up in um was an incredibly toxic one <laughs> so that didn't go very well so that was a uh, quite damaging and I, although it only lasted a year it kind of dragged on for three years and left a lot of a lot of hurt and a lot of a lot of damage yeah. So but, did you did you at one point think have I done the right thing by leaving the church here because you'd gone into that toxic relationship? Um, no, because the relationship was toxic, but I never felt so accepting of myself and so yeah. content and at peace in myself. Um, so I know people talk about living authentically all the time, and it, there is there is definitely something to be said about really living your truth. Um, and living, living true to what you want, how you are, who you are, uh, and, and how you want to live your life. So yes, although it was a shame that that relationship became toxic, it, it wasn't toxic solely because of the other person. It was, it was partly toxic because of all the, the, the difficulty and the trauma and the pain that I was going through from losing that community. No, so absolutely. I, I can never fully blame that person, although that person, in my opinion, is 
quite up there on the narcissist scale um, and the stuff they did and the way they behaved was pretty horrendous they 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 weren't entirely at fault um there was definitely part of me in that as well well it's very humble of you to admit um because you know we're like i think there's always two sides to a story as well in there that's an age old saying isn't it yeah. interesting interesting and so you 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 got into trading we keep yeah. going off on these wonderful glorious <laughs> tangents and I'm loving them I am loving them normally I try to direct uh, my interviewee back to track and I'm like no I'm happy to just absolutely freestyle this, this is great <laughs> so um so you got into trading now just you, you went on this education was it just a few days was it or did you did you do an an extensive course did you have a mentor or did you self-educate um so it was a mixture um not self-educated I can't do that I'm not good at that and I think when it comes to trading self-education is incredibly incredibly tricky Mm -hmm. Uh, main reason why I think self-education is very tricky when it comes to trading is partly there is so much information out there online which sounds like that's fantastic but you don't know what's good you don't know what's bad there's so many different ways in which to trade that you could be picking the wrong bit of information for the right strategy and the wrong strategy for the right bit of information which Mm -hmm. unfortunately in trading all of those mistakes lead to you losing money so my training started with uh, an in-person training for a weekend, which is very, very introductory. It was really good, but very, very introductory. And then I went on to a, 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 a more detailed, in-depth training, which lasted about nine months, which included some, some live training, online training, and some coaching and mentorship as well. So yeah, I kind of had it all. Yeah. And that's how, it's, how long have you actually been trading for now? So is it four years, five years? Uh, just over five years now just over five years yeah I mean reading up on uh people who trade they usually say you become a master at the five-year mark so we can officially Uh call you a master at trading now yeah you didn't know that that. yeah yeah why why do you think some traders fail what's your really good question it's a good Um, question thank you it's a really good question it's a really good question because I know the statistics are from from research and reports that have been done that around 90% of traders lose money yeah so the question is why the heck are 90% of traders losing money and and what are the 10% doing that's correct first of all I say that 90% of traders who lose money are probably um not being educated, don't have support, don't have coaching. That is a major one. And I know that sounds like an easy thing to say, but it's because I say that because the report goes into more detail, which proves to me that they don't know the basics. Yeah. Whereas if they knew even the basics and knew how to implement those basics correctly, then they wouldn't be losing money in the same way. And so one of the major basics, I won't go into all of them, obviously, although I could do. Um, so the major one that the, these reports have kind of shown is that people have an incorrect use of what's called risk to reward ratios Mm -hmm. so they're risking more money per trade than they stand to make back as profit so if on a trade you you could potentially lose 10 pounds you should stand to make back profit at least 10 pounds that gives you an even risk to reward whereas if you have a trade which you could lose 10 pounds but you may only win five pounds for every losing trade you have you're going to have to win twice to make it back so that's just one of the key reasons as to why people lose money because they don't know how to manage their risk correctly or they massively over risk. So would you say then that they're kind of undercapitalized in relation to the size of the trade that they're making? So the prospect of controlling the, 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 the amount that they've got, but they've got little capital to back it up. Do you think that's also a possibility? 
Um, sometimes, yes. I think it's more a case of people start small with a small amount of money and therefore yeah. they have to risk too much of that small pot. Yeah. So they they put too much of it in the market and then they lose and then they get greedy and they get fearful and they get question. vengeful. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. there's this there's this this phenomena called revenge trading where you lose and then you try and get that money back as quickly as possible from the market. But to do that, you think right, well, I'll double up like I'm in the casino mm-hmm. uh, and then eventually I'm going to get my money back. That is how people wipe out their accounts and lose all their money. And it's such bad behavior. But if you don't know that's how you're behaving, you don't have a coach, you're going to continue to operate in that way for mm-hmm. the end of time. And you'll just keep wasting money, keep wasting money, keep wasting money. Because there's a chance of losing to win, would you say that it is classed as gambling or a type of gambling? Um, Again, good question. So, thank you, thank you. Tra- <laughs> trading in and of itself, no, I wouldn't consider gambling. The government consider it gambling if you're in the UK, which is mm-hmm. fantastic because it makes it tax free pretty much. Um, yes. And I say pretty much because please speak to your tax advisor. I'm not giving you actual advice, um, but for most people, uh, most mm-hmm. people it is tax free in the UK because it's considered spread betting. So if you use a spread betting broker, it becomes tax free. So for me, it's tax free. So all of my trading profits are pure profit. It's great. The reason I say it's not actually gambling in terms of a way of a way of behaving or using your money is we know that any form of investment, any form of business includes risk. So for me, oh, absolutely. you are yeah, yeah completely calculated so, though, right? Calculated. Yeah. So if I, when I buy a property, I don't see it any different to me buying a stock or investing in a Forex pair or something like that. I've looked at the pros, I've looked at the cons, I've seen what's most likely going to happen, but I've also looked at what could happen in terms of negative sense and I make a call based upon that. That is analytical decision-based making processes versus gambling, which is I have a feeling this is going to win. I have a feeling this is going to go up or this is going to go down. Every trade I, I place, I've based upon years and years worth of history and data to know that that strategy works. So if you don't have a clear advantage in something, you don't put your money on it? No. Perfect. Well, that's good. I mean, I've got a friend and and they gave me some advice on trading and they said, I only play games I know I can win. Why would I play anything else? Mm -hmm. And I love that saying because you can apply it to everything in life. And and that is pretty much what you've just said in a nutshell, that you you look into the pros, the cons, you make a, a conscious decision based on your experience and based on the market conditions and everything that's happening. And yeah, there's all, you know what, if someone said to me, there's not a risk in something, it just almost makes it too good to be true, doesn't it? Oh yeah. So there has to be a risk element anyway, but it's just, I think with trading is from what you told me, it's, it's understanding what you're putting your money to. And this is where I think the danger is. And and I I like you to talk to me about this as well. I think the danger of, of, of people's, trading even if it's with say a couple of hundred pounds is is that they don't understand what the bloody hell's going on yeah big time big time and i think so the way that i teach people to trade is very much safe because you're protecting your risk you're never over risking but also the way that i teach people to trade they can actually lose more trades than they win but they're actually still profitable so even though you're losing more trades you're making money so if you learn how to do that, then you're protecting yourself massively and you're very, mm-hmm. very unlikely to, to lose an account. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one thing which I really heavily focus on teaching people is how to manage their risk. Because if you don't know, uh, the, thing that I, I, the thing you really need to know is your strategy and the numbers around your strategy. So how does your strategy perform? 
how has it performed over X number of months, X number of years? So you know, right, if I place this trade, this has got a 75% chance that it's going to win or a 60% chance it's going to win. If I'm looking at a strategy and it's only got a 20% chance of winning, I'm never going to place that trade or use that strategy. It doesn't make sense. If you don't know that information or you don't know how to even find out that information or to check that information and you're just listening to someone who says, oh yeah, yeah, this is a great strategy. It wins 90% of the time or it wins 100% of the time bullshit no strategy wins 100% of the time I'm so sick Mm -hmm. of seeing those people on Instagram pisses me off (laughs) yeah you're not the first to say that that's not what I want to have for me or what I want to give other people so I do teach people how to invest um but I don't give them specific advice um without a disclaimer (laughs) and I'm not taking (laughs) I'm not taking their money to invest with because I'm trying to empower them to live the life they want to live the way they want to live it rather than Absolutely. give it to somebody else and hope that it works. And I think people think it takes, it takes you so much time to, to trade every day. And it doesn't. I mean, I trade at the moment, I'm trading less than 30 minutes a day. That was my next so, question, actually. How long do you trade for? Yeah, That's a good bracket. Just 30 minutes a day. Yeah, it's really good. And so I'm, I, That tells me that you're not greedy either. No, no. I've tried being greedy and I lost more money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you've got a specific time zone time bracket that you use and you stick to that and if it's working for you why let greed take over and Mm -hmm. ruin a good ruin a good system exactly so like this morning i traded my usual time went to the market i tend to trade at that time uh made a little bit of profit you might have seen on my instagram made a little bit of profit um yeah this morning i mean a little bit i wasn't going for big stuff and then i was like right do i want to keep this market open on my laptop so i can keep looking or do i want to be happy with myself done what I need to do for the day, exit it, and then I can just leave it and I can crack on with everything else I've got going on. So I was like, yep, yeah, shut it, crack on, do the rest of what I've got to do um, and, and leave it there. Because I've got a before, podcast to record with Amanda. I've got a yeah, podcast just, to record, you know, it it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, I think, but again, that took me time to learn that skill because trading people underestimate how much of a mental and a mindset thing it is. So yes. having having a coach who knows how to trade but can also see where you're, behaving badly because of your mindset rather than your strategy is vitally vitally important and you only get that over time so i would never go to an educator that's only had one or two years worth of trading experience because it takes time to build i mean like you said you need five years behind you to be a to be considered a a master trader so yeah i mean i've crossed that bracket now which is quite nice (laughs) you have what's your advice to um someone who's perhaps starting out in trading picking up tips from left, right and centre here, there and everywhere. What if they make a loss? Mm-hmm. What's your advice to them? I mean, if, if, it, that, if that was me, I'd be on the floor picking myself, dragging myself along, scraping myself along the floor like, ah, I've lost yeah. my money. Yeah. What's your advice? You know, do you stay down? Do you go, fuck this, I ain't doing this again? Or do you go, no, I've made a mistake, let's make it back. What's your advice? Let me, let me ask you it this way. So say you had... £10,000 in your trading account. Yes. And you had a loss. So you mm-hmm. lost on one trade and you lost £100. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be on the floor absolutely devastated and upset no. that you've lost £100 no. of 10000 no. no. Which is why I My teach people to, yeah. yeah, I teach people how to manage their risk. So if you had £100 in your trading account and you placed a trade and you lost £1, again, are you going to be on the floor completely upset no. and devastated? Not no, at all. Because it's 1% of your actual overall capital. Yeah. 
So when wow, you manage really your risk, that's an impression on me saying it yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this this is what this is what people don't realise is they're over risking, which is why they have those big massive losses in terms of percentages of their account, and then they they get upset and they declare that trading doesn't work and you can't do it and all of that sort of stuff. So and trading is very much a different skill to property in terms of what you have to look at when you're investing. It's also very different to hedge fund management, which people think are the same thing. It's not. It's very very different. That it's a very very different skill set yeah yeah so hedge funds and trading and long-term investments all different skill sets I mean there's definitely crossover but they are different skill sets I think for, for me uh, I am involved in a hedge fund um hedge fund trading there's deeper pockets involved there massively yeah. and so I think the profit margins tend to be higher on that mm-hmm. um but again what you said about you know you you like to control your own money with a hedge fund you are putting your full control to them aren't you yeah and so what's your views on that so you like to trade for yourself but if you were involved with the with a hedge fund would you be okay with though with with that setup yeah and uh, it depends what you want um and what you want to do so for me if i was to I, i would be happy to use a hedge fund but i would only put into that hedge fund money that i was willing to lose and if I wasn't willing to lose it and I didn't understand the securities or the way in which they were trading, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing that I'm learning through business and coaching and everything that I do investment wise is it comes down to A, the numbers. Yes. Do the numbers work? Does it make mm-hmm. sense numbers wise? But then also, are you happy with those numbers? So one person's 10% may be great to another person's 10%. That's not enough. So it's, it's all about, do the numbers make sense? Do they make sense for you? Do they meet what you want to achieve? Are you happy with the risks involved? And are you emotionally comfortable with that as well? Good answer. I like it. <laughs> I do so, think about this stuff a lot. <laughs> I can tell, I can tell. So what motivates you then? Because it's quite a solitary, it's quite a solitary role, isn't it, trading? So what, yeah. and, and property, and property. So what motivates you? What qualities do you feel that that, that, that traders need mm-hmm. so i think again like i said I'm, I'm only trading for about 30 minutes um a day at the moment so yes that 30 minutes is solitary because it's me in front of a in front of a screen and i think when when i was full-time trading and that was all i was really doing i then had a lot of my time to to use for other things so then i had time for my passions so i i love trading but i i'm more i'm more into the other stuff that I do in my life. That's more my passion. So trading is very much a vehicle that I've used to live the life I want to live. Mm-hmm. And I think Smart. I, I'm, the, Smart. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same with property. I'm not passionate about property. I'm, I'm passionate about the life I want to live. And yes. what I'm passionate about is passing that on as well. So I would happily teach someone about trading. I'd happily teach someone about property, even though it's not necessarily my major passion. I'm more passionate about sharing it with other people because I know the power of it if that makes sense. So other than trading, what do you do? So I do property investment. Um, yep. uh, I have my own trader training as well. So I've written an ebook about that, which is the ebook yes, is free. Yeah, you have. So, and um, wasn't, wasn't your, you, your aim was to, to write the ebook in a diff, each chapter in a different country. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I <coughs> didn't, I think sometimes when people write ebooks, they just smash something out and there it is, it's done. Whereas I didn't, I didn't really want to do that. So the, the ebook that I've written has actually been about three years in the making and it's only just I finally 
putting it out there because I did, I wanted to, I kind of wanted to show what's possible with trading. So I wanted to write it when I was in different places. So one of them, I was writing it while I was on the Eurostar on my way to Disneyland for a friend's birthday. And one of them I wrote in Singapore, top of the Marina Bay Sands. Uh, wow. One of them I, I wrote in, in South Africa, in Cape Town, um, in Hong Kong, like all literally all over the world. So I just really wanted to, A, take my time to figure out what I wanted to put in there and the, the stuff that I've learned over five years worth of trading that really actually makes a difference. Um, and just show what's possible with it. So each chapter starts off with, this is where I am right now in the world as I write this. Could be you if you if you choose to learn to do this correctly. Wow. How can we uh, access this ebook then? So I have a... Uh, website where you can download it for free um i don't know the link off the top of my head and i'm sure if i told <laughs> you you just forget it yeah uh, but if you go to my instagram which is lewis underscore crompton then there's a link in my bio lewis is l-e-w-i-s underscore crompton is c-r-o-m-p-t-o-n uh then it's there um such and a I'm, regal name lewis crompton. it gets worse it gets worse considering my parents are from non-regal places they gave me a, a very long name so my full name is lewis john marsh crompton oh which is quite a long i yeah. say it's quite, i used to get quite embarrassed <laughs> at the it. doctors yeah because they, they put your whole name up rather than just a little bit <laughs> yeah they'd be like oh gosh it's me so i'd hang my head and stand up and go and see the doctor <laughs> Oh, so you've got your ebook that we can uh, get for free. And again, that tells me a lot about you. Uh, you're not even looking to make a profit off it. You must make so much from trading. <laughs> I make <laughs> enough. Don't need I make to, enough. Yeah, you yeah. don't need to. Uh, you don't need to sell the book. You love traveling, and then obviously, where I get very excited is, is about the property section. Um, mm. You've openly just said it's not your passion. Um, so why do it then? What 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 is it about property that works for you? How did you mm-hmm. get into it? I know you stumbled across the the, the property seminar, but what, um, and what strategy do you use? Tell me all about that. Yeah, so uh, to answer all of those questions, <laughs> I uh, oh, yeah. got into property because when I was trading, I met a load of other investors who were very, very successful in property and kind of decided I wanted to have a piece of that action. And for me, it was, it was the, I saw trading as kind of my cash flow um, and my, my, my profit for, gen, my vehicle for generating income and, and amounts of capital. And I saw property as kind of fitting into my overall investment structure as being the place where I store money um, for the long term. And I, I, I liked the idea of owning land, owning physical assets, whereas with trading, I don't own physical assets, but property I can do. Mm-hmm. And again, still creating cash flow, but more to kind of feed itself. So I don't live off of my property income. It just all kind of stays in its pot and it, it feeds itself. And then I buy more property out of the income I make off of the property if that makes sense. It does. So that's kind of what prop- property for me was the long-term storing of my wealth mm-hmm. um, where I can put it and keep it safe. Because something people don't know necessarily is that your bank account is only insured up to a certain amount of money. I think it's, a, it's around £80,000. It does tend to change. So if the banks go under or whatever happens and you have more than £80,000 in your bank account, you're not guaranteed to get anything more than just the 80000 So why would I store my money in a savings account or a bank account when I can buy an asset which makes me money and goes up in value over the long term as well absolutely you know what I didn't even know that I'm mm-hmm. gonna hold my hands up the 80 grand thing shit <laughs> yeah I know exactly that's scary that's it some is. scary yeah. shit like yeah. 
you know, you've got people with millions sat in their account thinking, you know, the bank's a safe place. Yeah. So do you remember when Northern Rock went under? I do, yeah. They disappeared. And that was, if you had more than £80,000 in your account, it is not ring-fenced and protected. So that is, that, that would be gone. (laughs) Yeah. Which is shocking. Yeah, it's absolutely shocking. It's shocking. No wonder there was um, uproar all over the news and stuff with people. So what property strategies do you employ? So I've I've done a mixture. So I've done um I've done well I've done buy to lets. I've done mm-hmm. student accommodation. I've done converting properties into flats, and I've I also do social housing. Uh, but I've, I'm in the process actually of doing my first flips. And my first flip is nearly finished. It's nearly, it's going to be absolutely beautiful. Yeah, uh, and I've just did you I'm do in the, the process of, design for that one? I didn't. No, no, no. I didn't. No, I'm, I'm not the best at that. It would just look horrendous. I remember my my whole interior design understanding comes from changing rooms so i don't remember that show from back on tv so a lot of shag pile a lot of awful colors a lot of terracotta that's kind of my whole understanding so yeah i'm not i'm not the one to make the property pretty but i'll I'll fund it and make sure everything goes correctly Mm um see i'm I'm not the interior designer uh so um yeah is that one that's in cheshire oh lovely yeah it's good i'm tempted to keep it to be honest it's going to be an absolute cracker but yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll so see. we just had a um, 98% ask of the asking price on a, on a, on a portfolio um, that we're selling. We're selling six of our HMOs. Um, honestly, I'm pig sick of them. That's why I'm selling I them. hate HMOs. HMOs hate can go and do I've one sold for mine. me. Yeah, yeah so we've got six that we're selling in this said area and uh, we've had 98% of the asking price offer which is obviously brilliant uh, but because I've had that offer <laughs> I've turned around and gone do I actually want to sell them mm-hmm. I'm like why do they want to pay that much for them <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. But, but I know it's because obviously they're in a high demand area and they're, they're, they are really good properties and stuff but it's yeah. just made me second guess my decision like so when oh, you does. just said yeah. that I don't yeah. know if I want to sell it or keep it I'm totally with you on that because it's assets yeah. isn't it they they accumulate it is assets. Yeah. yeah but so I so I I sold I, I had, uh, yeah, I had a few HMOs. So I sold a couple of them. And then the ones I kept, I put into social housing. So, uh, yeah, it, my social housing properties are in Middlesbrough. Mm-hmm. There was a yes. mixture of reasons why I decided to do that. Partly because people always bang on in these property education things that you can use property to help people. It's like, well, we all know the truth is you're helping yourself at the same time as you're helping other people. So how much of it is out of the goodness of your own heart? So for me, it ticked the box of I get to help people, which is something which I'm massively into in in various ways um so it ticked that box and i'm helping house asylum seekers who've come from like war-torn countries that's, that's the nice. social housing that i do oh, it's amazing um, and they've got flipping ensuite properties the ones i've given them so they've done very well um and then also it just made sense for me it was low risk so they yes. take care of all of the maintenance and everything they take care of all the tenants it's completely hands-off um which is what i wanted i didn't want to have I mean, as you know, dealing with HMOs, even if you have an agent, it's not hands off. There's so much to go on, so much to do, so much hassle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just didn't want that. So I handed it over to them. So yes, you take a slightly lower income from them. How long have you done the contract for? uh, 10 years. Wow. Well done. For 10 years of just, thank you, my money, goodbye. Thank you, goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. And goodbye. Yeah. my, My bank account every month. So yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. And I think that's something that when you do social housing, you know, you, you do have to wait up, you know, 
you, you do take a slightly less rental income, but they're guaranteeing it for these long periods of time. You have a contract, a, a, a stable contract. So you know for the next 10 years, you're not going to have any voids. You're not going to have to any yeah. changeovers. You're not yeah. going to have to update or modify the property because the exactly. council do it all for you. Yeah. yeah nice exactly. strategy. And I think this is what I probably want to look into. To yeah. So as, as I said before, like it comes down to the numbers, do the numbers make sense? And then yeah. are you happy with the numbers? Those are the two major decisions you have to make on any investment you make. So do the numbers make sense? Am I happy with it? So yes, the numbers make sense, even though they're lower than if I was to do it privately. But long-term, I don't think I'm actually losing any money whatsoever. And I have the peace of mind of it's done, which makes me very happy. So Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Um, and then obviously um, you do, uh, you offer a speaking consultancy, don't you? Uh, so I speak and I do consultancy. Separate. That's right. Yeah, so so tell me about that. Uh, so speaking, I mean, I've I've spoken again all over the world, which is is quite great. Like I've been speaking in front of groups since I was fourteen years old. So from church, uh, then into the realms of finance, um, uh, then into the realms of spirituality and 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 mindset and all of that sort of stuff. So I mean, the the largest crowd I've spoken in front of is probably about fourteen plus thousand people wow. at, in one time, which was amazing. Um, absolutely loved that. Um, and then pray, I mean, I've spoken to groups of three people because no one turns up. So <laughs> depends on the day. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I, I love it. I absolutely love speaking. So I, I, I speak on um, property investment in the UK on a, on a relatively introductory basis, but also kind of what I've done and how I've done it. Um, using mainly business partners and angel investors and that kind of thing. I speak on Forex trading. Um, I speak on uh, spirituality and uh, mindset stuff as well. But beyond think- beyond mindset, I, I kind of have a I have a particular favorite topic within mindset, which is trauma. Um, and if you if you go through my Instagram, you'll see recently most of my posts are around trauma or around mindset stuff because mm-hmm. trauma is something which is so under under understood and people don't yep. quite get what trauma is, how trauma affects people, and in our businesses, in our investments trauma plays a massive role in how much we can get done and how much we want to get done or how much we believe we can even get done. And it impacts the way you view yourself, the way you have energy to operate and the way you view other people as well. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a massive, massive thing that I'm, I'm truly, truly passionate about. Well, when you're passionate about it, that's when you are going to dedicate time to it and put it out there, isn't it? Um, Do you think, when you just said that you've obviously been speaking and 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 to crowds of people of, of upwards of thousands of people from a very early age, do you think then that that spiritual upbringing that that experience from such a young age has had an impact on your love of speaking and your sort of flair with it today? I don't think it does. Um, I actually wrote a post on my Instagram, which is called "The Church is a Whore, but she's my mother," um, which is a relatively <laughs> controversial statement. But it's not my I love quote. It. Yeah, it's it's from a guy called Saint Thomas Aquinas, who's obviously very well respected in the church. It's quite funny that he called the church a whore. And the basic premise is that yes, the church was very very damaging to me and has been to various parts of society but it also is the thing that raised me and it's also the thing which made me who I am today in so many positive fantastic wonderful ways and part of those fantastic wonderful ways are the fact that I have such an inner drive and desire to 
cause positive change in people's lives, to bring them into a place of healthiness in their finances, in their businesses, in their relationships, and in their, their perception of self as well. And the, the true way that I see the world and, and, and how things operate is the more we can love ourselves, um, but not just in a wishy-washy way, but the more we can accept the good, accept the bad, see what, see what it is that we are in terms of how we're wired and how we operate and where some of those are negative behaviors because of trauma or because of hurt or because of past experiences and work through those, which is all about releasing emotions from our psyche, our cellular levels, cellular memory, all of that sort of stuff the more we can truly accept ourselves and the more we can accept and love ourselves and see ourselves, the better we can relate to not only us, but to the people closest to us and the people around us. And that impacts absolutely everything. So when we can see ourselves and reveal ourselves to ourselves, everything becomes better and healthier and more right in the sense of your, your, your right to your truth, your living in, in accordance with what you are on this planet to do. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. It's, it, it's, it's easier said than done sometimes, though, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it can be difficult to, to have those views on all of those views at the same time so that they're yeah. working mechanically together. I think yeah. that is, I mean, I, I struggle with it. Yeah, oh, I do. And my, my other half, Josh, he is the yin to my crazy yang like truly so I mean I came out of a very very toxic relationship and I I didn't technically I wasn't in a relationship for a a long time for about three years and then I met Josh when I moved back from New York and he is so stable (laughs) so chill I mean not perfect nobody's perfect but all my crazy you're perfect he's my perfect and he is my perfect he really is my perfect because my i being in a relationship i think anybody will say this is true of any relationship highlights so much of who you are and how you operate and it it creates such a mirror and i'm just i'm watching my horrendous behavior towards this utterly wonderful human being (laughs) and he he just lets it happen sometimes gets a bit too much but lets it happen and then i have to self-reflect and think oh okay yeah that's actually nothing to do with him but he's just so far from toxic and just very very yeah he's he's my perfect he's great for me do you think you were drawn to him because of your previous toxic relationship? So you've had one end of the spectrum and Josh sounds to be the other end of the spectrum now. So you, do you think that you were drawn to him because of your past trauma? Um, uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that in terms of attraction dynamics in general. Uh, yes, I think I, I think I, I am attracted to him because of that. But I think it's more that that makes it work so yes. whereas my ex's issues and my issues created a horrendously toxic environment um my issues and joss's issues are actually quite complementary <laughs> so where he's not perfect i'm quite good and where mm-hmm. i'm not perfect he's quite good mm-hmm. so it, it works quite well it's quite a nice balance yeah, so and we, we always joke, like, the things which stress Josh out do not stress me out whatsoever. So I'm like, chill out, what are you want about, calm down. And then the things which stress me out don't stress him out at all. So we, we balance each other out. It's quite nice. He's the kappa to your chino. He's the kappa <laughs> to my chino, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
it's been wonderful speaking to you. We've been speaking for, I don't know how long it is now. <laughs> I normally aim to do about 45 minutes to an hour for these podcasts. And I'm always going over, even when I've edited, uh, like always an hour plus. Yeah. But it's been awesome speaking to you. Um, you're, you're a wonderful guy and you're doing wonderful things. And I think that you're just going to keep getting higher and higher and higher. And you'll want to help people. It, it, it's I think you're going to reach a lot of people and, and I can't wait for people to hear this podcast as well because I think that a lot of people are going to relate to what you've said and I think that it is going to it's going to have a profound effect on their lives as well I hope so that, that would make me very happy well that'll make me happy as well so it was <laughs> lovely to speak to you just thank you so much again for having how, me. fine just remind <laughs> us again how we can connect with you um what's your what's your social media platforms for everyone listening so my social media platform, I mainly use Instagram. So yeah. it's Lewis, L-E-W-I-S underscore Crompton, C-R-O-M-P-T-O-N. But I'm sure I you'll bet. put that in the description as well. As the, I will the put it in the description. <laughs> you have a brilliant day and I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye, bye, bye. Bye.